many Republicans look at the scriptures and they say, how can you vote anything but Republican? Okay, so if I was on that side, what would I want somebody to do to me? How would I want that other person to approach this? Christians really need to step up in the peacemaking realm of things in personal relationships, especially in political arguments. Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend and compatriot, Josh Latterell. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the biblical foundations for our interactions. Enjoy, sit back, and follow along as we talk about what Scripture has to say about how we interact with other people. How are you doing, Brian? I am doing well. Compatriot, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a good thing. I, mm-hmm. I think compatriot is a, you know. It so. has the word patriot in it. So it does, I feel it does. So all of still our. Still July. Right. When we're recording this anyway. So Yes, yes. Yeah, well, and uh, you and I have been friends for 20 years, and we, we are, I think, unified pretty much in mind about things, and so we can work together and uh, strive toward things that we want to see accomplished for the kingdom, and so I think it's an appropriate word for I'll us. take it. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, how have you been doing? Doing pretty well. Good. Yeah. Business going well? Business going well. Got uh, a new client just working on some some video projects and fun awesome. things and a little, couple little side things. And Great. my church has got a uh, an upcoming event that I'm helping put on. So Awesome. So, that's awesome. fun. Great. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Josh, he owns a, a marketing company, a digital marketing company called Elm Digital Marketing, and uh, he has been instrumental in helping a number of clients around our area uh, get their digital footprints going and their presence up and running, including my company, Discipleship DNA. So uh, it's good to see that he's always staying busy, even in these times of economic uh Downturnish-ish, I don't know. In these uncertain times. That's a good way to yeah. say that. Right, right. I just came up with that. I haven't heard it anywhere else before. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm not certain about that. But anyway, we talked before about uh, what we're reading. I brought a book today that I've been reading. It's a book called Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. And I mentioned it in a previous episode, and I finally got it off the shelf. I got about halfway through it and realized I'm not marking it. And I, I was intentionally not highlighting it, and I can't remember why. I think I was planning on giving it to somebody maybe down the road. And and if I'm going to do that, I don't like to highlight it because I don't want to prejudice, you know, what they get out of it. But I don't think I'm going to end up giving this copy away. I'm, I'm just <laughs> – I started it again last night, and I'm highlighting a lot of stuff. It's by uh, Reverend Eugene Cho, uh, and he's the founder and visionary of One Day's Wages, which is a, a grassroots movement – reading from the back of the book here, a grassroots movement of people's stories and actions to alleviate extreme global poverty. And uh, he's written other books, uh, Overrated. This has just been a really, really great book. The subtitle of it is A Christian's Guide to Engaging Politics. And uh, he's very big on engaging in politics. He believes we should be politically involved, politically active. Uh, He just talks about how the fact that there are ways to do that in ways that reflect kingdom principles and king, kingdom priorities rather than political and party priorities. So um, I bring that up just to say that I did start the book that I mentioned in a previous episode. 
<laughs> so I'm, I don't want to lead people astray by just name dropping books. You know oh, I wasn't going to call you out if you hadn't <laughs> yeah. started it yet. Don't worry. <laughs> I just finished another book, The Suspect. Ooh. Yeah. It's about Richard Jewell. Uh, I don't know if you oh, remember. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, I. For uh, most of you. I remember a little bit this, about uh, that case. Yeah. Most of you know that Richard Jewell was uh, at the Atlanta Olympics bombing. Uh, in 1996, he actually discovered the backpack that contained the bomb and worked with a bunch of law enforcement people to and security people to get people away from the bomb before it exploded. It did explode. Over 100 people were injured. Uh, one person was killed by the blast. Another person died uh, of a heart attack. A, a Turkish journalist died of a heart attack when he went to the scene. To uh, And Richard Jewell was a hero. But... He became the FBI's prime suspect. And for months, he was just vilified in the press. And by the FBI, they turned his life inside out. And turned out he had nothing to do with the bombings. Uh, it was done by Eric Rudolph, who also bombed two abortion clinics and killed some people, bombed some other things, and is right now serving life in prison for all of that. Uh, but just what he went through knowing he was innocent and he finally found a legal team that would stand by him and believe him and fought for him tooth and nail. It's just a gut-wrenching story. It's great to see that he was vindicated. You know, uh, there's a recent movie by Clint Eastwood called Richard Jewell, a phenomenal movie. And the book, I, I just happened to see it uh, on my Kindle feed and I thought, hey, I'm going to grab that thing. So I've been reading a lot. <laughs> Reading for enjoyment, reading for um, what I would say, uh, not edification, but reading for um, maybe preparation, um, not necessarily for the podcast, but just help in being more Christ-like to the world around me. So hmm. so yeah. what's your, what are your takeaways from the book so far? I know you're kind right. of rereading the first part of it. Mm -hmm. So this book, Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk, just a really great reminder so far that Jesus was not a member of a political party and that people of different political spectrums who would call themselves born again, Bible believing people would see Jesus as whatever party they're in. He talks about he's from Seattle, uh, not exactly a red area. If I remember right, he said 8% of Seattle voted Republican in the 2016 election. There are so many people in that area who would look at the scriptures and say, how could you vote anything but Democrat? You know, how could you possibly vote Republican? Where many Republicans, and a lot of them are people that you and I know, Josh, look at the scriptures and they say, how can you vote anything but Republican? It's just a reminder that we all have filters. We all have experiences and contexts that we live in and try as we might. The fact is we're going to see things differently and uh, I need to be able to look at a brother or sister across the table who would vote differently than me and say, I love you. And we might disagree on this, but you are my brother or sister in Christ. And that is what really matters in this conversation. So that's kind of the biggest thing. He tells some of his own stories, you know, where he had to come kicking and screaming out of some of those things himself. Really enlightening. I'm really in just enjoying it. He's very transparent about his own struggles with this, which... I appreciate. So cool. Yeah. So what's on your mind today? I want I'm okay. excited to talk a little bit more about interacting with people. Right. I'm in 
the communication business. And so mm-hmm. mine is always thinking about how to connect with people effectively, how to meet mm-hmm. people where they're at, uh, how to interact in a positive way. And then because I'm in digital marketing, there's a lot of negative and or annoying and or, you know, borderline unethical ways of that people advertise online, whether it's through right. manipulation or just playing mm-hmm. on fears and um, right. that sort of thing. So my company is built to avoid that and help people market the right way. So I'm interested to see where you're going to go with this right. in terms of uh, personal interactions. Cool. And, and you know, you bring up a good, a good point. I'm in sales for my day job and I work at a f- local furniture store and I'm with customers and customers have just said to me that they expect me to lie because I'm in sales. And that hurts. If they knew me, I don't think they would say that. At least I would hope not. But it's it's sad to be in a profession where the expectation is that you're going to try to rip them off for your benefit. When I'm with a customer, that if they see me on the street someday, they're not going to say, there's the guy that ripped me off. They're going to say, oh, there's the guy that sold me that bed, and I love it. Or I had a problem and Brian took care of it for me. I want to be known as a guy that people can count on and have some integrity. That's based in a biblical view of some of the stuff we're going to cover right now. So what we're going to do here is is I want us to look at these foundations for our interactions and just a little bit of history. We're recording this on a Monday night. And at my church service yesterday, my pastor was talking and uh, we're going through the book of Acts. And I can't remember what he said specifically, but I felt the Lord speaking to me uh, during the sermon. And uh, But it brought to the fact that I have had been failing to love my family and especially my wife like I should. I've allowed a sense of entitlement to creep into my thinking regarding how I wish to be treated by my family. And quite honestly, I, I became ashamed of that. And I found myself repenting to God and to my wife and telling her just today that this is what I felt the Lord was telling me. And it got me to thinking about what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast and the basis for it. So over the next four weeks or so, I want us to dive into these foundations, these four foundations, because I want to help us taking these from being abstract concepts into real life application that impacts people around us for good. Whether they know Jesus or not, we want to be people who reflect him well. And I think these are the first, uh, these are ways to do that. The first foundation or the first wall, maybe it might be a better way to say it, the, f- the f- four walls of our foundation. The first one is the greatest commandments. This is from Mark 12, 29 through 31, and I'm going to go ahead and read this passage. Just before this, uh, one of the teachers of the law was confronting Jesus, and he said, Hey, Jesus, which is the most important law? Which is the most important commandment? And they were trying to trap him in his words, and Jesus saw right through it. And he said, The most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So that first wall is the greatest commandments. And maybe we might take two weeks on that one. I don't know. We're talking about loving God with everything and loving people. Because I think if we can love God the way we should, we will love other people the way we should. You know, and uh, Josh, any thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting you brought that up. I think, uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I think this kind of leads into the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. That's possible. I think, and, and maybe not, but but I think one of his audience members, whoever that was, 
asks, okay, who is my neighbor? Sort of just trying to, you know, give, give themselves a little wiggle room. And then mm-hmm. Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. I uh, have been listening to uh, and watching the Mike Winger, actually, on YouTube. He's got a YouTube channel. He also has a website called BibleThinker.org. Mm. And he does this 20 questions thing once a week. And one of the questions was along those lines, who is my neighbor? And so he, he, he dove in a little bit there and I thought that was pretty interesting. That's something that we can maybe, yeah. maybe talk about a little bit more as I revisit that maybe in our next episode. Right. And I, and I think part of, if we can boil things down to these two things, then I think we'll get past a lot of the nitpicky or the um, cherry picking that uh, it's easy to do. Well, God didn't say this technically, and so I'm okay if I do this, or or uh, they'll find some excuse or some loophole that they think is in Scripture, mm-hmm. but it violates this. If we can help people get past that and say that everything we do and how we t- interact with people needs to come out of loving God first so that we can love others the way we need to. So that's what I'm really hoping. And that's something I want for myself. I want to be, I also want to be known as somebody who loves the Lord with everything in me. And uh, I fail at that. And I really do. And we probably won't get into, you know, a a ton of theology about what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart and then with all your soul and, you know, with all your mind. Well, we can figure some of that out. And and with all your strength. Uh, I've done sermon series on that. I don't know if they're any good, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure they're good. You know, all right, well, thank you for your confidence. Uh, but the idea here is just that when we love God with everything we got, then God allows us to be able to love others the way they should. So, and we'll talk more about that next week, Lord willing. At least that's the plan. The second wall is the golden rule, which everybody knows. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Uh, everybody knows the golden rule. You hear it in other religions as well. It seems every ethical system has some form of this, uh, although it's my understanding that Jesus is about the only one who puts it in a positive. And generally, the others are saying, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Jesus is on the affirmative saying, hey, treat others the way you want to be treated. That's a much more proactive way of thinking about it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, Rather than just avoid doing bad things to people, it's actively do what you would want someone else to do to you in this situation. Right. Uh, I've got seven kids still at home, and we have to talk about this stuff (laughs) a lot, you know. And unfortunately, in child rearing, sometimes we have to focus on the negative part. It's like, well, do you want him to do that to you? No. Well, then why are you doing it to him? I don't know, you know, <laughs> uh, it's like, that's not good enough, kid. But adults should have this, you know, we've heard it all of our lives and grown-ups want to think they're more mature, but so often they're not, you know, um, I've got a guilty pleasure that when I've got some downtime, sometimes I watch YouTube videos of people who think they've got it all together and then they just get owned by somebody. And then they, they act like children. And I'm like, man, I hope you don't have kids who see this because they're going to be embarrassed. They're going to spend the rest of their adult lives explaining this away. Well, it's a basic rule. I mean, you're right. Everybody mm-hmm. should know this, especially Christians. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about interacting with others 
on the political level, or you're talking about an issue that's maybe controversial or, or fraught with some, you know, some potential conflict, it really is a challenge sometimes to put yourself in the shoes of the person that you disagree with mm-hmm. and maybe ask yourself the question, okay, so if I was on that side, what would I want somebody to do to me? What, right. How would I want my opinion to be treated or mm-hmm. how would I want that other person to approach this or talk to me about this issue? Right. And mm-hmm. there's no way to do that perfectly, but just right. asking yourself that question is a great way to try to at least put yourself in the shoes of the other person. Right. Oh, you mean that empathy thing? A- empathy. Yes. Wow. Now, there's a, a kind of an example of that is the idea that uh, I saw a meme somewhere, I can't remember what it was, and I don't know that I'll quote it correctly, but we were quick to judge others' actions, but we want other people to judge our intentions. So, let me say that again. We like to judge others' actions, but we want others to judge our intentions. And so, if they see us doing something that is not good, we want them to think, oh, but he probably meant well, or he probably didn't mean it that way, or maybe he was just angry that day. But we don't do that when we're looking at other people's things. When we see somebody's actions, we automatically think the worst. Mm-hmm. And we would want others to give us the benefit of the doubt. And we need to give other people the benefit of the doubt. And um, it's hard to do, especially in with inflammatory issues um, that we have strong convictions about. And somebody disagrees with us. We're always quick to judge their actions and their words without asking, is this what you intended? Or, or trying to get past the surface and finding out what their intentions were. So, But that's what we want for ourselves. Yeah. Another way I've heard it put is assume positive intent. Yeah. And that's it's a challenge. And you can get taken advantage of, but mm-hmm. more often than not, it's going to lead to much better conversations and interactions and ultimately uh, relationships. Excellent. So the greatest commandments is the first wall. The golden rule is the second wall. And then the beatitudes of Jesus are the third wall. And I'm just going to read through this real quick. And again, each week uh, that we cover these, we'll get into them more deeply, but I'm going to just kind of read through this very quickly. And this is Jesus himself talking. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's a lot of stuff, and we're going to get into that in a couple of weeks. But, you know, there's some great stuff in here. Meek, for instance. Meek doesn't mean weak. It doesn't mean being a doormat. It says in here to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, because they'll be shown mercy. Peacemakers. Oh, my goodness. Christians really need to step up in the peacemaking uh, realm of things in personal relationships, especially in political arguments. Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And there's a lot of Christians who feel persecuted for their viewpoint, but it's it's not because of Jesus they're being persecuted. They're being persecuted, it, they think. They feel persecuted, and it's because of what they believe and how they communicate it. And that's different. 
because uh, I don't know, if maybe we've mentioned it once or twice already in our previous things, but the fact of the matter is nobody in America is being persecuted, at least by the government right now, for their faith in Jesus. Nobody's going to jail that I'm aware of strictly because they love Jesus. Maybe that'll change someday. I don't know. But I don't think that that's really happening right now. Now, in other places in the world, people are dying today. There will be people who die today for no other reason than the fact that they love Jesus. That's it. And uh, we get upset when somebody teases us because we're a Christian or makes fun of us or even yells at us. Uh, And none of that's fun, but that's not persecution in the sense of being torn away from your family and imprisoned for who knows how long, maybe never seeing your family again. And so I get a little miffed when Christians in America talk about the persecution we're facing or that we're in. And I'm going, um, yeah, maybe not. Well, we also live in the Midwest and there's very little persecution that you would expect to face in a Mm -hmm. sort of a heartland state. But at the same time, there are people who lose their livelihoods or are, um, forced out of the public square for whatever reason, mm-hmm. not because they're being a jerk, but just right. because they believe Christian things. Right. And that is true. That is true. I, I certainly don't want to belittle that. And there are people, especially public officials, who have Christian convictions and share them. And that's what gets them in trouble. And there's a lot of people in the public sphere who say, well, it's okay if you believe that stuff. You're just not allowed to talk about it. And that's not right either. You know, I mean, we do need to, th- there is a freedom of religion and freedom of speech and all these things we got to, and I do want to make sure that I don't minimize that. And so, yes, there are, and especially in bigger metropolitan areas, maybe in bluer areas than redder areas. We're in South Dakota. We're a pretty conservative state here. So that's probably not going to happen very often, if ever, around here. So mm-hmm. thanks for pointing that out. Yes, you are absolutely right that there are people who are being affected because of their Christian faith. No question about it. Well, and um, not that far away. I mean, even the Western countries like um, Canada, for instance, there are people Mm -hmm. who are being prosecuted for believing or not going along with certain things Mm -hmm. that they feel Mm -hmm. convicted about. Yep. uh, And even in some European countries. So Mm -hmm. it's not as far away as you might think. but That's possible. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think maybe at times, and, and maybe this is just something that Lord needs to continue to work on me about, it's just I think I get cynical because most of the people that I've talked to who feel they're being persecuted are just, they're bothered because they're being inconvenienced. Sure. Yeah, they're not, there's nobody actually taking action against them for their faith other than may, maybe making snarky comments on Facebook towards something they posted. Or they may feel that someone else who's on their side, whatever that is, mm-hmm. is being persecuted and maybe mm-hmm. they take that personally and so mm-hmm. they take, you know, Mm-hmm. That whole group identity thing kicks in and they're right. like, oh, well, I'm personally offended that this person is being, oh, sure. yep. um, you know, treated in this way because of something they said, right. you know, yep. whether it's Chris Pratt on Twitter or <laughs> whatever it is. Right, right. And uh, so that's the third wall is the Beatitudes. And the fourth wall is the attitude of Christ that we see in Philippians chapter two. And I'm going to read, it's a, it's a lengthier passage. It's 11 verses long. Uh, And I'm reading it from the beginning of the chapter. It really starts kicking in to the point I'm trying to make here in verse three, but the first two give a little bit of context here. Paul is writing, and by the way, he is writing this, if my understanding is right, he's writing this from a Roman jail, or he's, I should say he's in 
imprisoned by the Roman government. So he is in prison being persecuted uh, because of his faith when he's writing this. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And then verse three is where it really picks up here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that last one, to me, is kind of the, well, the first one and this last one. Christians or people who call themselves Christians or Christ followers or however your disciples, however you want to phrase it, one of our jobs is to accurately reflect Christ and his love and his attitude. Uh, you know, we've got stories of all over the place in the Gospels where Jesus was a servant to people. He healed people all the time. Uh, he touched people who, according to the Jews at that time, he had no business touching. He talked to people that were scandalous at that time. He washed feet he volunteered to go to the cross. Uh, he makes that very clear that I am laying down my life. Nobody takes it from me. I am laying it down. And I'm laying it down for people who don't like me and who don't love me and because they need me. And I'm God and I can accomplish this. So that's what I'm going to do. And so having the attitude, especially in verse three here, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. If we can just do that, I think that will go a long way to helping interactions and conversations with people. Um, say, I value your opinion, even if I disagree with it. And I value you, even if we disagree. And I value you so much, I'm willing to demonstrate love to you in tangible ways that go beyond surface, talk, um, and go beyond rhetoric. Do those make sense to you, Josh? Or is there anything you'd add? Do you need? A, do we need a fifth or sixth wall here? I think this is a great outline. One thing I would just point out is I happen to be reading a book called Happiness by Randy Alcorn. Oh, um, yeah. and when you were reading the Beatitudes, I was reminded of the part in his book where he's talking about um, the word "blessed" is basically a synonym for happiness. Mm. And so his point was that, you know, we're, we're seeking happiness. We're looking, you know, to make ourselves happy. And what God is saying is that true happiness is really found in putting other people first and, mm -hmm. um, being meek, being pure in heart. And, right. um, a lot of times when people seek after happiness, they're doing the opposite of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, they're following their bliss or they're, they're doing the thing that is, you know, they have in their heart following their whatever that is right. you know the 
the message that our culture tells us um, Mm -hmm. all the time is going to make you happy, you know, Mm -hmm. and leaving things behind that are don't live for other people, live for yourself, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And that's what's really going to make you happy. And um, not that there isn't some truth in that sometimes, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, what God says makes us happy is treating others the way we'd want to be treated and Mm -hmm. serving them and, and, and acting in a very different way. So our, the gospel and the Beatitudes in particular are, are very countercultural. Yes. Um, our culture and his, you know, the culture at the time too, but right. particularly our culture. So I'm, I'm interested to get into that a little bit more. Yeah, that'll be fun. And, and just maybe kind of go on what you said there a little bit. You and I are both in, in a sense, service industries. I think, Josh, you can think of numerous times when uh, you've finished with a client and they see what you've done for them and they're thrilled. And it's, it's producing results like they wanted to do it. And you're seeing that and you're seeing their success because of what you've helped them with. And they've mentioned to you either privately or publicly um, that they're fascinated with the work that you've done with them and they're happy. And that, that makes you feel good, doesn't it? I mean, that you have helped somebody become successful. That's a good thing. Um, in my job, I sell furniture. <laughs> uh, but when somebody comes up to me months or even years down the road and say, it says to me that, that that mattress I sold them back then is still comfortable and it's still the best night's sleep. You know, they've slept better than they have in years, blah, blah, blah. Never happens to be. I feel good about that because I helped them get better sleep. I helped them with their health. I helped them with something in their life they needed help with. And that's always a good feeling, you know, and we all like attaboys, but that doesn't really come unless we've actually helped somebody you know, at least in our industries. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we seek the betterment of other people, then we get a reward for that. And Jesus was very clear in the Sermon on the Mount that if we seek only our own gratification, our own reward, that that's all we get, you know, and that's why we give privately, you know, we don't trump it on Facebook, you know, that, uh, oh, I just gave 10% to my church today. And boy, was it a big 10%. You know, <laughs> I got really paid a lot this time. And woo-wee, church is going to love me. Hey, <laughs> I better get a call from my pastor this week telling me what a great job I did tithing, you know. Yeah, and that form of gratification doesn't actually last very long. No, it doesn't. That happiness is very short-lived. Right. And Jesus said that, well, there was your reward. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're going to go the next four weeks. I, uh, we're going to hit on, on each of these four walls. Uh, that's the plan anyway. As you listen to these videos, if you do want to comment and react to some of these, boy, we invite that. You know, uh, uh, you can go to the Facebook page for this podcast, Living Beyond Your Memes, or you can go to Discipleship DNA, or just send us an email, brian.lacroix at Discipleship DNA, and that's, you can find that email address on the discipleshipdna.com website. If you know Josh and you prefer to communicate with him on that, you're welcome to do that. Uh, but we want feedback. But as we go through these and and as you hear these, I would love to hear your responses to how we can really implement these things into our lives, no matter where we're at vocationally, um, relationally. These episodes have probably come out late August, early September, getting a little closer to the midterm elections. Um, so as we go into those weeks, I really want us to be people who are cognizant of these pillars so that while we're having these conversations, we can pray effectively and we can talk effectively and overall reflect Jesus well. So amen, brother. All right.
Sounds good. Got anything else for us as we close? Well, um, anything important? Anything, any other deep thoughts? Well, you know, I mentioned how God had convicted me about my, you know, not serving my family well. I also got a sense of major foreboding as I was reviewing one of our earlier episodes and realized we had not put in a Chuck Norris fact. Oh, no. Yes. So today we're going to do two because, first of all, it's important for us to know these things, plus the fact that if Mr. Norris happens to catch these episodes, which we hope you do, that he knows that we're trying to make up for that time we missed because we don't want to be in a Chuck Norris fact deficit. That is for sure. That's not a good place you right. want to be. No, that is for absolutely sure. So the first Chuck Norris fact of today is that uh, Chuck Norris once kicked a horse in the chin. Its descendants are now known as giraffes. Yep. That's one of my faves. And then the second one is Chuck Norris once went to Mars. That is why there are no signs of life. Good one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so Mr. Norris, wherever you're at, we hope you're having a great <laughs> evening, day, wherever it is you're listening to this. And I wouldn't want anybody to deprive me of Chuck Norris facts. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to do that to our audience. Right. We want to do unto others as we would want them to do unto us. It's because we care. It is. It really is. So Absolutely. And we'll throw in the occasional dad joke once in a while too. So, oh, that reminds me. I I found one today. It was really good. Of course, I've got them all the time. Uh, I test dad jokes on my teenagers and the amount of eye roll is the gauge for how successful it is. So, uh, this one I haven't tried out on my kids yet, but it's, uh, what is the favorite drink of a lawyer? I don't know. What is the favorite drink of a lawyer? A sapina colada. <laughs> <laughs> you got me on that yeah, one. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, so, really nice. Anyway, anything else, Josh, before we sign off here? I just want to reiterate what you said. Um, we are hoping to grow the audience for this podcast mm-hmm. over time and improve the content that we bring to you. And so we will be taking any and all feedback, looking at it closely and hopefully incorporating questions, Mm -hmm. uh, comments and feedback into future episodes. So please. And and I do promise that we will carefully consider each of your comments, whether or not we implement any of those wouldn't necessarily be a reflection of not respecting you or your opinions. uh, But I promise you that we will honestly consider those and pray about those and talk about those. Uh, we want honest feedback because if we're not meeting a need, then mm-hmm. then we're kind of wasting our time here. But give feedback in a yes. way that you would want feedback to be given yes, to you. Yes, exactly that? right. Perfect way to end it, Josh. And uh, with that, we'll say good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh, oh, before we go, this podcast is available on Spotify, on Anchor, and uh, I think by the time this is released, uh, it should be available on uh, Apple and Google. So uh, any number of places, but uh, it's right now available on Anchor and Spotify for sure. All right. Thanks for joining us. Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at DiscipleshipDNA.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you on the next episode.